HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you some Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, the gang's all together again. We're back. We made it. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Uh, and what, on what a day, you know, February 1st. Yep. Uh, the end, the official end, thank God, of dry January. A uh, a real kneecapper to our respective business and choice, <laughs> choice of mm-hmm. field. Yes, and congratulations to all of you listening because you made it too. We're here. <laughs> We did it. <laughs> um, I, you know, dry January is in the mind, in my opinion. It's it's not uh, at the bar or in the glass. It's it's whatever you make of it. Again, like we said a couple of episodes ago, you know, I, I don't make New Year's resolutions because they're typically broken. I like to look back on the year, the previous year, and kind of celebrate the wins. Yeah. Um, so that said, you know, uh, congratulations to anyone who did the whole month. I did not. I just decided that I was going to drink when I did want to drink. And, you know, I work in this industry and, it, you know, if I didn't get PTO for not drinking, you know, or not being around. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would love some sort of employer subsidy for not drinking, please. That's what oh I want. Yeah, no, seriously. but I, I, I agree. I think it's nice to like take some time to like be mindful about your drinking, especially after, you know, the indulgence of the holidays and all that. But I, I've always taken a dim view to the sort of like, you know, no nut November style. I'm just going to muscle my way through this with my sheer willpower. That's not any way to like build a healthy relationship with, with drinking, like just be, just be more mindful about it. Also speaking of New Year's resolutions, now that we're in February, can everyone who's been going to my gym, please just like cool it so I can finally get back on my machines. I'm so fucking glad January is over. Not, not because I had a bad January, just because January in general sucks. Yeah, when Sorry, were, anyone when, who has a birthday there. When were you there. at your gym? You've been traveling the globe. 
That's true. Well, I went back yesterday and I was just like, what are all these people doing here? This is this is terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it didn't didn't make me any happier to be back than I already was, um, which was not very. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Uh, Whoa, well, <laughs> yeah welcome to the new yeah greg's back everybody and he's gotten a lot <laughs> a lot storm cloudier since he left no i'm i'm actually well first of all i'm jet lagged so uh this show could go literally anywhere which is going to be a lot of fun for our listeners but also um it, it's just in 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 such a great mental state after uh just gallivanting all over the globe visiting so many amazing people including friend of the show stephanie shen in um ireland and drinking far too much pachin and irish whiskey while i was over there um yeah what a great time that must have been she's awesome she's fantastic dublin is fantastic belfast is fantastic um the the whiskey over there is i mean i'm a huge Irish whiskey booster anyway. And the, some of the stuff that I got the chance to try just going around to various bars and staying with someone who works for a distillery was, was yeah. unreal. Um, well, the, the unabridged access I'm sure you had. Yeah, exactly. It's the, I mean, that's, that's why, that's why I think, you know, 12 years ago, I decided I was going to get into this field because I knew on some sort of level that I was never going to be rich enough to buy the things I wanted to drink. So I had to make friends with the people who could give it to me for free. <laughs> it's, a, it's a smart strategy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so far, it's working out great. You know, 21-year-old Greg would be very, very proud of me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> very cool. Uh, well, listen, we've got a great guest in the studio, and I want to bring her in right away um, because surely, honestly, the legacy that goes on with uh, with what she does. This is a ninth-generation leader of Laird's Apple Brandy, uh, the first lady of Applejack, Lisa Laird. Welcome to the Speakeasy. So glad to have you. Well, thank you, Souther. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. We've talked about having you on the show a bunch of times. Um, so finally, you are here. Um, and I think that like, what, what we need to do is just talk about everything that your family has done for the, for the field of, uh, you know, bartending and, and alcohol in general with having such a, a lengthy, um, run nine generations is, is no, is nothing to speak, nothing to sneeze at. And there's more coming, right? Your kids are moving into their roles as well, right? Absolutely. We have two members of the 10th generation that are now in the company. Both my daughter and my son have come on board. So Really excited, uh, exciting times for us. Uh, did my the main, uh, I guess, probably the the most pressure of a, a generational family business is getting the next generation, um, get making sure they have the passion to come on board. So uh, that yeah. was my main job, and I got that done. So I'm really excited. <laughs> there you go, man. It must, it must be exciting for you, having done that before. You know taking the reins from you know, the previous generation in your family and then passing them down to your kids. I mean, like, did you, when you got the role and when you started working with the family business, did you, did you understand like how important it was it, or was it like, like I often wondered like Willie Nelson's kids, like they understand that Willie Nelson's their dad, you know, you <laughs> know, I mean, was, was it obvious from the get go or did, did it take some time to understand like, Whoa, this is like really important. It, it took a little bit of time when I was younger. I just thought it was really cool that my name was on a bottle, you know, but it took some time, especially as I learned the history. And, and as I, you know, when I first came into the industry, unfortunately it was not the best of times for 
uh, brown spirits. Um, I call mm -hmm. it the dark ages <laughs> because people were really not drinking a lot of uh, whiskeys and brandies and so forth. So um, as I learned the history and, you know, worked with my distillery, my distillery and um, and actually working with a lot of bartenders. And when everything started to change in the late 1990s and into the early 2000s and really understanding the heritage of the brand and the category and the appreciation that the bartending community was having for us and for me for continuing the legacy and actually keeping this whole category alive to some degree. Yeah, that, that was a time when we were really doing our best to nerd out. And I think, <laughs> um, you know, getting meta and granular about all the details of historic drinks and things like that. And, and, and Apple, Apple Brandy and Apple Jack were certainly part of that conversation. And of course, knowing that <clears throat> Laird's is the oldest licensed distillery in America certainly put a, an extra gleam on that bottle for everyone, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I was getting inquiries from around the world. You know, the, you know, I export in 18 markets now, and it's because of the bartending community. There's a demand. Um, you know, my, my first export market was, you know, the U.K., um, and that was a strange way. Like he reached out, Nick, and he's like, I need this product in my bar. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> you know, someone, you know, somebody in England wants my product. And, you know, I obviously have tried to export my product in the past, but there really wasn't much of an interest. So all of my markets now are small. Um, my importers are small, uh, they're more boutique type, um, importers and they really concentrate on craft and on the, with the on-premise and the cocktail community. I mean, I think that's fascinating. So are you saying that you, that Laird's wasn't really an international brand until maybe the late nineties, early two thousands? Early two thousands when we first exported. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Nobody that... had any interest in it. Well, it was exported in bartender suitcases. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the suitcase cartel. I get it. Absolutely. Uh, suitcase importers, LLC. Um, well, that, that I, I totally understand because, you know, again, with the, the nerdy side of what we do, people were interested in the product and they wanted it. And that was the only way they could get it. So I'm sure travelers would come and, and or, you know, even we, we still have products like that. I have people who say, well, I'm going to Italy. You want me to bring you anything back that you can't get? Um, you know, so you have yourself and then you have your mules out there. Um, mm -hmm. I, that's fascinating to me to realize that the brand so old, so storied and so, so rich with heritage here in America has only been outside of America, uh, uh through legal channels since, since 20, 25 years ago or so. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. It is. It really is. So, but so, then, you know, it, it's not a huge volume brand, so it really didn't have, you know, there were all at that point in time, there were very large distributors and importers, and they really had no interest in this little tiny brand. Right. If it wasn't going to bring them enough revenue, what's the mm -hmm. point, right? Yeah, they don't exactly. see that. They don't see that drops make up buckets. Um, that's incredible to me to think that the sort of cocktail revolution that we've all kind of lived through really spawned getting your brand on an international stage. Because yeah, for, for me, it just seems I, like I guess I'm so shocked because it just seems so ubiquitous to me. Laird's Apple Branding is always around. <laughs> right. Yeah. It. it to me too, but <laughs> it wasn't until, you know, people like you, you know, the bartending community realized what the product was and, you know, looking at historical cocktail recipe uh, recipes and they saw that there was Applejack in the cocktail and, you know, they wanted to find that original ingredient, which ended up being our bottled and bond because our blended Applejack is not what these cocktails were created with. Um, you know, that product was created out of necessity to, to basically survive. 
but uh, yeah, so just seeing the appreciation for the product again has been the most rewarding experience for me. I always knew it was a great product. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very obviously a great product. And can I, I, I want to ask you this, cause this is something that I've always kind of been interested in about like kind of the, the pendulum swinging back and forth when we talk about blended scotch versus single malt scotch of like what's cool and like what's out of fashion. And, you know, for decades and decades and decades, you know, single malt scotch was, you know, stuff that weirdos with beards drank at like poorly lit pubs in the Highlands, whereas like blended scotch was like the smooth stuff that like your Don Draper types would drink. And then, you know, for the last 25 or so years, like the single malt stuff is like is is cool again. And the blended stuff is what, you know, your parents drank. And now I think we're starting to see people see the potential in in the art of blending. And, uh, you know, we've got folks like Compass Box who are doing cool stuff like that. My point is, you know, I, I, I love that your Applejack exists because I love that it helped the other, you know, the, your, your business continue to exist through those dark ages we were just talking about. But do you have any plans for that, for that brand? Is there anything like in the future coming up that you, that you kind of are like, okay, this is a, a creation of necessity, but where can we go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, you know, back in to year 2000, I only had a few expressions. I had my seven and a half year old, my blended Applejack and my bottle and bond, basically. Um, as we moved along, I didn't have enough inventory. You know, we were coming out of the eighties when people weren't drinking a lot of brandy. So we really cut back on our production. And as you know, we have to really plan and, and, you know, lay down, the brandy in order to have the supply four or five years down the road. So we had, if you remember in 2014, I had to take bottled and bond off our label. Right. And it was called the founded because I couldn't ensure it was hundred percent four-year-old. So finally, you know, I had been bitching at my father to increase (laughs) production for years. And he wouldn't listen to me. He's like, well, we've got too much. Like my father's favorite saying is inventory kills, which, you know, if you do carry too much inventory and you're financing that, yes, obviously, but I mean, tell that to the cognac guys. (laughs) (laughs) They're sitting on mountains and mountains and mountains of old juice, you know? Exactly. You gotta build that lineage, you know? mm -hmm. Well, we weren't. And he, uh, I kept, you know, kept at him. And then finally one day he comes to me and he goes, we have to take bottle and bond off the label. And you know, we need to make more brandy. I'm like, no shit. I've been telling you this for years. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, uh, and then it was 2018 where we could put bottle and bond back on, uh, the label. And we finally were, had enough inventory laid down that we could create new expressions. We now have our straight Applejack 86. We have our 10th generation five-year-old bottle and bond, which is an awesome product. So good. The, the, it's amazing how that one extra year of aging really, you know, what the effect that it has on the brandy. Um, we have our 12-year-old now. So, and we do offer a single cast. So I'm offering different expressions of our brandy, um, but we are um, actually, I'll be bottling this month now that we are in February. Um, a new series we're doing a, uh, we just started a barrel finish series Mm, where I, where we have, um, sourced spirits. Uh, our first, um, introduction is going to be bourbon, corn whiskey, and Irish whiskey 
that have been finished in our apple brandy barrels, what? which I'm oh, very cool. excited yes, about. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, we actually had to ship our barrels over to Ireland because, in our, you know, by the Irish whiskey standards, only it, the product can only be aged Aged's in on Ireland. Site, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to ship the barrels over to Ireland. So a little, little expensive. And then, you know, everybody's kind of looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh my God, it tastes so good. I'm so excited to be introducing this. When will that be at the market? Hopefully March. We'll be shipping in March. Wow. I mean, I, I gave my production a deadline, so they better meet it. <laughs> Let's All put right. it that way. I know we're waiting for our one last supply. You know, the supply chain has been insane. Crazy. Um, I was, but my uh, I had the cello top on the on the bottle that we've been waiting on, and it was just finished and they're going to be air shipping some of them to me so I can get my first production run done. So I'm excited. That Can't is wait. incredibly exciting. Yeah. Uh, are we the first to break that news? Yes, you are. Look this at us. Breaking news right here on the speakeasy. <laughs> 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 breaking booze news. Now you said something uh, in there that I caught that caught my ear. You said you were releasing a barrel expression. Yes, we have a single cask. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, we have a standard, which is at 121 proof, Whoa. or you can actually choose your own barrel that's what i really want to talk about maybe yeah. off the air <laughs> yeah yeah it's, let's get it's a barrel, exciting let's get a it's barrel of exciting. apple uh, of uh, lairds over to amori margo that's uh, that's the road we need to go down yeah well come on down pick a barrel and we'll uh we'll bottle it up for you i'll send bruce back <laughs> over there yeah. Well, let's let's back up a little bit, though. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really talked about just the the origin story of the company in general. I mean, like we've talked a lot about like some of the new stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, I would like to hear. I mean, it Laird's basically like it predates the United States or like somewhere around the 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 beginning of the U.S. I mean, like there's this crazy history. Wasn't it like served to like wounded soldiers during the revolution war like there's some crazy stuff going on right with the, like, the, the, you tell us so we'll yeah makes sense if i got shot by a musket i think some lairds would make me feel exactly better. right <laughs> something has to kill that pain but yeah we were you know my ancestors came over from scotland county fife scotland in 1678 so we've been we know we've been in the current location where we are since 1698 and Coming from Scotland, uh, producing scotch at that point in time, they started, you know, apples were plentiful by that point in time because the early apples came over in the early 1600s because um, the only natural uh, apple to the United States is the crab apple. So uh, right. um, this is where we he, get into the found, apple seed story, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, when it came down to it, apples were plentiful. Um, cider spirits was especially in this area, you know, cider spirits, cider brandy, um, applejack, apple brandy. Those terms were all synonymous back during this time. Uh, and he started making his whiskey or apple brandy um, from apples. So right away, you know, we were all the way up until, you know, revolution. And my four greats grandfather, Robert Laird, was a Revolutionary War dragoon um, under George Washington's command. So we had, you know, New Jersey had quite a few battles, especially the Battle of Monmouth, which was pretty famous, uh, a battle which was right down the road from us. Um, so we did uh, supply um, the troops with Applejack. And I always like to say, you know, when the 
went across the Delaware that cold Christmas Eve night. Something had to fortify those young men. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. It's so cool. Yeah. But, you know, what's really interesting is um, Robert's uncle, Moses, was George Washington's guide when he was in our area. So our family did actually host George Washington in the family home, him and his officers while they were here in this area, which is pretty cool. That's amazing. Oh, man. So cool. I, you know, like, you know, Greg is always traveling somewhere, uh, if not for a wedding, just, you know, trying to get away for dry January. But you <laughs> yeah. know, when, we, when we go to fleeing the country for prohibition, that's me. Yeah. When we travel back east, it's always fascinating for us, right? When we go to Europe and we see these old, you know, like go to the UK and you go to a pub that's like a thousand years old or a brewery that's, you know, in Germany that's like almost a thousand years old or, you know, just even... Like you go to, you know, a bar in Florence and, you know, it's been around for a hundred years longer than, you know, the United States has been around or, you know, like just the, the amount of history and, and, and longevity for a lot of these things. It's like what fascinates, I know it should fascinate all of us. Right. Um, but when we get into our own backyard, we have a story like that and that is Laird's. And that's not something that we can really say for too much else in the spirit business in the United States. So it's really cool. I mean, like, it's like a living legend, you know, and it's still going strong, stronger than ever, I would say. Right. Yeah, we are. Um, you know, obviously a pandemic was tough for us and, you know, we're trying to recover right now, but, you know, we have two next generations coming in. We have lots of plans, you know, we're not going anywhere. You know what I, kept telling everybody, you know, our family lived through so much and the company survived through so many up and downs through the history that ah, a little pandemic isn't going to put us under. So yeah, we got plan. We're going to, we're going to keep plugging along. And, you know, I'm always say, I'm not going to be the generation to screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> That's your, you got one job, Lisa. Don't screw one. it up. <laughs> Uh, well, that's a, I mean, that's a great way to keep the ball in the air. If you're, if you're, if you're uh, cognizant of the idea that you could be the one to drop, drop it on this, uh, this long, long streak, uh, exactly. probably, makes you, probably makes you very uh, uh, concerned and concerted about your decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Well, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We'll come right back and let's talk to you a little bit more about how you're basically, are you basically, or maybe you are the only, are you the first female to rise this far in, in, in the world of spirits? Let's come back and talk about that. Uh, so stay tuned right here on the Speaking on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our Heritage and Traditions Master Cheesemaker Program and the American Propensity for Innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, Get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin Wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy here on Heritage Radio Network. And today we're talking with President 
global ambassador and ninth generation apple brandy distiller lisa laird dunn uh we were you know it's it's impossible lisa to have you in the studio and not talk about the the legacy that that you represent that your father represents that your kids represent and just kind of like how interwoven with american history that is but one part of this that i that we were talking about before the break that we really wanted to touch on is that you know in this legacy that goes back Earlier than George Washington, you were the first woman to rise to the uh, the pinnacle to sit on the Iron Throne of Apple Brandy. Um, so, talk to us a little bit about that and kind of how that how that um, I don't want to say complicates, but how that sort of informed and and added a little bit of an extra layer to this this family stewardship that you stepped into. Yeah, it's um, it was a difficult road. Um, one positive um, behind is my father. He's always had confidence in me. Um, he always knew the type of person I was and the strength I had. And, you know, even, you know, obviously I dealt with a lot of out for, outside forces. You know, being in a male-dominated industry was very interesting because basically I was the only female. I never ran across another female in the industry back in the um, early 80s. But... Um, and even within my company and with my family, they thought I was going to be a great secretary. <laughs> and oh God. Um, right, the my prevalent father's... thinking of the time, right? Exactly. And, you know, my father's like, mm, I don't think that's Lisa's plans. I think she plans to go a little bit higher than that, um, which he was correct. Um, and, you know, I just worked, I built my way through the company. I started in um, production which I love production. I, I would still be there today if, if I could. But, um, you know, as I, I went through the accounting and, and the financial departments, and then they wanted me to enter sales. And I was like, no, I like being I'm a hands-on person, but <clears throat> they wanted me to be the face of the company. And it ended up being a positive move because I definitely traveling around the country, I learned so much about not only the industry and the company, but, uh, you know, I learned how to, you know, how to deal with the public and so forth. Um, and I've just learned more and more. I still learn today. You know, every day we're learning something, especially there's so much history to still um, delve into. But, um, you know, when I started, Applejack was not a product. It was not very popular. You know, it was basically the old timers drinking it at, as a shot in a beer and a lot of our customers were dying. Mm. So, um, you know, we've diversified through the years. Um, we have different portfolios. We have an import portfolio, a value brand portfolio, and we do contract packaging. So it was when I started, the heart and soul has always been our Apple brandies, but it was not our primary product. It contributed very little to our gross profit of the company. Right. Today, that's totally opposite. It's our number one gross profit brand is our Laird's Apple Brandy and Applejack, and uh, which is phenomenal how everything has changed. I think I had a little bit to do with that. I think so. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I, I have been out pushing around the world and, and educating and, and, and drinking <laughs> and, um, you know, supporting and promoting the brand. Um, but also the bartending community has been a great support to, to me and to us as well. But yeah, it was some dark years, years ago. And, um, you know, a lot of harassment when I was a young, young girl going out and trying to sell Applejack to a bunch of old men, <laughs> you know, not even just selling to, but even working with some of my distributors. And, you know, it was definitely an old boys club. Um, 
it was it was quite interesting. Um, I think I probably dealt with a little bit less than some women, other women did because my last name was Laird. So maybe people a little more intimidated, but it was not an easy road. That's for sure. It was, it was a, it was a long haul. Well, for something that's so like sturdy and historic and and important to the story of America in general, you know, it's like, how dare anyone say anything against that? You know what I mean? (laughs) So like you, you had some good ammo on your side or, or at least uh, protection, uh, you know, when it comes to the, uh, the old stodgy, you know, distributors and sales guys, you know, I think that like, just, you know, if you, if you had started, uh, you know, some like floral liqueur or something, and then it would have been like, Oh God, you know, like, but you had, uh, you had a real strength, and, you know, in this historic product behind you, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, so many people still do not realize the history that we have. Yeah, you I was know, about to say that that only makes it, sense if people know it, right? Yeah, because we're, we're a small family business. You know, I don't have this huge marketing budget where I can, you know, blast information around the world. Um, it, it's a lot by mouth, um, you know, especially so much information has been spread by the bartending community. Um, but, you know, a lot of people don't know who we are, you know, it, it's, uh, and it, it's interesting because when I tell people, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest family of distillers in the United States. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, we were, we were distilling apple brandy a hundred years before there was bourbon, you know, um, yeah. um, Daniel Boone, he didn't go across the Appalachian pass until 1769. My family's been, you know, distilling since 1698. So, and not only were we distilling apple brandy, but there were many other um, people that were distilling apple brandy or cider spirits and Applejack um, in the late 16, early 1700s. So people don't realize Applejack is America's oldest native distilled spirit. We predate bourbon about a hundred years. Yeah, for sure. I have to ask, does it piss you off how often you have to explain that to people? Yes, <laughs> yes, because yes. they're like looking at me like I got three heads, you know? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm, this is true. I got DSPNJ1. I got um, Internal Revenue Bonded Warehouse number one. I have Federal Distillery number one. I'm like, I'm the oldest. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Number one, three times over. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, at least first one. But you know, there. the funny thing too about like when you when you talk about bartenders being you know the the advocates and ambassadors for a brand and like and I totally agree. I mean, if we we wouldn't see the spread of of information and and just enthusiasm about spirits you know without like the current cocktail kind of world and, and enthusiasm and that all comes through bartenders, right? And everyone wants to drink what the bartenders are drinking. And it's funny, like when I teach classes about like the history of brandy cocktails, it's really the history of all cocktails because as you said, you know, brandy is the oldest spirit and it predates bourbon. You know, we think of bourbon technically or officially bourbon is the, 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 the drink of the United States. Right. But it really should be apple brandy, you know, cause and let's and let's also like take this into consideration too. Okay. When you're making brandy, apple brandy, or or grape brandy, you're making wine and you're making cider, essentially, right? So, and then you're distilling that. But with bourbon, it's like you're making a beer that's unpotable. Right. And it's made intentionally to just be distilled into a whiskey. But when you're taking these awesome apples that we imported over here because before, as you mentioned, uh, we only had crab apples in the United States. You have to first make a really great, like 
cider essentially and you know a really great wine first there's intention behind it whereas the the bourbon when you go to bourbon it was just an accident by a frugal priest you know like it was there was no intention behind it other than being cheap and and right. burning the manure out of the barrel that he wanted to reuse or whatever was in there before so I just i like to just kind of illustrate that you know to people it's like this is like this was this was a thing that was decided upon to do and it took you know understanding of brandy production whereas you know and also the base product apples are they cost way more than you know some corn or some rye and it's just like when you start putting the value behind it and the like the actual intentions the origin then it adds a lot of value to what brandy is you know what i mean exactly and you know brandy was as you say the original product that was being distilled in the colonies. I mean, as in the 1670s, there was a, a publication called the Treatise of Cider that was circulating in the American colonies and basically teaching the colonists how to grow the fruit trees, not just apples, but any type of fruit, um, mm -hmm. and how to make cider and how to, you know, ferment and how to distill. And so, so many people were producing their own, like everybody was making their own brandy. If they had fruit trees, they were making brandy. Oh, 100%. Right. Again, this is this, the true story of, of Johnny Appleseed, right? He uh, definitely did prolifer proliferate the growth of apples in our country, but it was really to encourage people to have a fruit on the land that they were taking from the government um, so that they would have something to drink that, because water was still a dangerous thing, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. You know, really, especially apples, you didn't eat the apples. They right. were very bitter. Uh, mm -hmm. They were called spitters because they were so bitter and tannic that you would spit them out. The only use for the apple, you know, back in the 16, 17, early 1800s was to produce hard cider or cider spirits. That's why mm -hmm. they cut all those apple tree, uh, all those orchards down during Prohibition. Which yeah, is I, one of my one of my favorite apple facts, of which, of course, I have many. It's hard to pick a favorite. But, <laughs> uh, one of, one of my favorites is the that saying that we all know: an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Was essentially propaganda from the temperance movement to convince people to eat apples. Like that was the thing that people mm -hmm. needed to be sold on, which is just wild to think about. See, I drink my apple a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And so they don't specify how. They don't. They don't. No. Yeah. Works for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, wasn't Johnny Appleseed like the original, like kind of like Father Abraham? Like, didn't he have many sons and many sons had Johnny Appleseed? I mean, what's, he was spreading more than one seed, right? Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, as the story goes. As the story goes. That's a whole different show, buddy. Um, uh, bittersweet, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so the... When you when you really trace it back, it's like okay. I wanted to ask this. I was going to wait for the end of the show, but since we're talking about cider, has Laird's ever produced a cider like a like a bottled cider uh, with the intention of uh, like you know with the, with the RTD market being so hot right now? Um, I was just thinking that like before the show, I was like, man, I would crush some Laird's cider if I if it exists. If it, if it did exist, I would totally drink the shit out of it. <laughs> Funny you should ask that question. Oh, <laughs> more breaking news. 
<laughs> More breaking news. Well, um, I, know, I know that just recently I've had the Laird's Old Fashioned, so that's an RTD that you've got out there. Yes, but, but I'm, yes. I'm curious to hear if there's a cider. Um, well, I actually did my first little um, experimental batch uh, nice. of cider with um, – we have um, a local uh, cidery that we're working with. Um, so in the first batch, we did like a little test batch, and it was pretty successful. So we're looking hopefully um, possibly our spring pressing that will take some of that juice and produce some um, hard cider. You heard it here first, folks. Wow. Um, yep. um, I, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a point, by the way. That, yeah. that was actually a, a legitimate question. So that's great, especially because, like, I mean, I, the RTD market's big. You've got the old fashioned, but then also there's also another thing that's going on with like low, low ABV. Yeah, I was gonna say, and so like more sessionable, you know, and mm-hmm. also people are really getting to like dry, dry American ciders mm-hmm. with like the boom of like you know uh, the kind of like really sour sour beers and kind of like lighter um french ciders and basque ciders from spain like you know like there's there's definitely a market for it i don't know if it's gonna like get you through the dark uh ages that (laughs) that were the 80s but i mean nowadays especially with the lineage and history it's like that if i saw a bunch of ciders on the shelf the first one i would go to would be layers based on you know you know just the brand recognition It's funny because people have asked me through the years, why don't you make a cider? And I've always, you know, the reason, you know, we needed every drop of our juice to, uh, to make our brandy. I needed the brandy. So that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, just from a logistical standpoint, it obviously makes sense, especially with the growth over the past 25 years. Uh, if Applejack and, and the, especially, I mean, Laird's funny, you know, I, I just thought of this too. Um, when you're talking about old men drinking, uh, you know, shots of Applejack and the, with their beer. When I go back and think about the spirits that I started drinking, like not sneaking out of my parents' liquor cabinet and taking straight out of the bottle to see what they were, um, like per, like intentional drinking. I didn't really start with loving bourbon so much, but what I did like, like I mean, I would drink bourbon and soda, and then eventually burn on the rocks and then i would leave the rocks behind and drink it straight but the spirit that i started drinking on its own just neat was bond the bonded apple brandy from laird's and even though it's 100 proof i mean i would kind of teeter back and forth between you know the applejack and laird's bonded but it was always the thing that i would drink on its own not just because like you think of drinking brandy and a snifter and that's the whole thing because i would only drink it in a rocks glass but um i don't know there's just like i have a my own personal history with it with being something that even though i had a bottle of it for making uh jack roses and other classic cocktails with apple brandy and, and we're talking like 25 years ago or or ish you know and i don't know i've just always had that like it's one of the 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 original spirits that I would drink neat. And I have it to think for opening up other doors to like different whiskeys and, and rums and things that I drink on their own now. But like, and I, I almost have it to think for me being able to be like a spirits judge and, you know, doing things like that where I'm tasting uh, spirits neat. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of great origin stories with, uh, <laughs> with Laird's Brady in in this group, I think. Oh yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
I mean, you know, it, it, you know, that's makes me proud that you, that was one of your, that was your introduction into drinking spirits straight. Um, that's uh, that's a really cool story. Thank you, Damon. Yeah, and I still do. <laughs> thank you. I'll even thank you again. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Keep drinking, please. Yeah. I want to. I want to go back a little Screw bit. Screw these dry Januarys, okay? Yeah, yeah. That's for business. Yeah. That's for business. That's in the past. That's for yeah, business. Thank yeah. God. Um, I want to go back a little bit, and though, and say, I was curious about the same thing that Damon was, which is, how do you have enough apple juice to spare to make cider when the demand is so high? Like, where, is this all planning from? years ago how far in advance i guess is the question do you have to plan the apple production like i, I know you have to obviously make the, the spirits but how far in advance do you have to say like well next year we're going to need a whole another row of apple trees or whatever how does that work i feel like there's so much planning that goes on there is so much planning you know we go by what our usage is each year uh and planning obviously how much we're going to put down for 12 seven and a half and our and our bottle and bonds um, but, um, and it all depends on the season, you know, it, we're dependent upon an agricultural product each year, the crop is different. Uh, so when we have a good year, the apples are pressing well, um, the sugar bricks are high, you know, we will press as much as we can. Um, there's some years, unfortunately, it's not really the apples aren't that great. They're not pressing well. The sugar bricks are too low. You know, this year was a tough one in the beginning because there were very low sugar bricks. Bricks. So, you know, it all depends on what type of yield we have and and how much um, how many barrels we can lay down. Um, so we we plan. One positive is we started a spring distillation, which we had not done. I guess we've been doing that about six seven years now, and. We use cold storage apples, uh, so we only use fresh apples. We never use juice or concentrate, um, and that'll depend on if our, our, any of our suppliers still have apples available. Um, and we find that, um, you know, we, that's helping us boost uh, the barrels that we need. And uh, I'm going to be using, and we're just going to try to ac um, access additional apples in order to produce some extra juice to produce cider. Yeah. So I, I have to ask just with, you know, since we've had two bits of breaking news on here already yeah. and, we're, and we're basically Edward R. Murrow at this point, oh, right. I, I kind of want to <laughs> ask a, a little bit of a, a personal question, which is I hear all this stuff about all of these factors that are out of your control, because as you mentioned, you're dealing with an agricultural product and you're running a business. And I mean, those two things alone would stress me out to no end, but you know, the, the fact that you're the ninth generation and kind of, again, like the guardian of this legacy, does that, does that stress you out? Does that bother you? Does that weigh on you or yeah, kind of what is your, what is your thought process in terms of how you continue doing this without going insane basically? Yeah, there is a lot of stress with the apples, you know, cause you're number one, you've got the season, you're watching all season. You know, I don't grow the apples, but I'm very close with my orchard. So, you know, if there's an early hail and, and you know, a lot of um, buds are ruined, you know, obviously 
we're looking for a good quantity of apples. We're looking for the rainfall. You know, we want them, the apples to be nice and crisp and we want them to have a higher sugar content. So you're always worrying about these things and yes. And then also haggling, you know, the price with our, with our uh, orchards, you know, we, we got to make sure we keep it price competitive because it takes 7,000 pounds of apples for us to produce one barrel. Whoa, so we go yikes. through like 6 million pounds of apples. Uh, we can go Jeez. through a year in distilling. Um, so yeah, they do weigh heavy. Um, but I've gotten pretty good at dealing with stress. <laughs> you know, it's to the point, there's only so much that's in my, contr- in my control. Um, I do not sleep well. I will tell you that <laughs> I take a lot of melatonin <laughs> to help knock me out. Um, but it's just, I do what I can. I work out that helps release some of my stress, but yeah, there's always something. And, you know, when, when Danny, my master distiller is calling me on my cell phone, I'm like, Oh, what's, what's wrong now? Like not only we've got like, what was it? 2018, our pot still blew the pot still we've had since post prohibition. And we actually, you know, thank God Vendome quickly rebuilt us a pot still to the exact, um, specification of the one we had so we only lost about a month of production because of course it happened in the summer thank god it was when we weren't distilling nobody was hurt it was just when we were cleaning it um but you know there there was that stress i'm like oh my god i don't have a pot still what the heck am i gonna do yeah, yeah I can't. also i'm i'm, yeah. I'm gonna need you to elaborate on that verb because <laughs> <laughs> in my head i pictured one of these like you know like moonshine style explosions that takes out an entire town like was it i'm glad no one was hurt i was really glad to hear yeah. that but like what happened um well it was just the steam pressure was too high we had some of the um there was a stress line uh in the still and it it popped and blew thank goodness it was just only steam and we were just cleaning it so no one was hurt so there was Great. no like huge Great. explosion and buildings going down. Thank goodness. I mean, if there was alcohol involved, it could have been a very more, much more dangerous situation. But thankfully, it Half was while New we Jersey were cleaning. would have been gone yeah. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, but actually, our distillery is in Virginia. Oh yeah, right. In yeah, North, because uh, Garden. if you look at New, I live in an old apple orchard in New Jersey, so there's not many apples here. So we're in North Garden, Virginia. Um, which we purchased that distillery in 1941. And then Scobieville, New Jersey is the uh, the other location, right, on the bottle? Yes, we have um, we have two aging warehouses, one in Virginia, one here in uh, Scobieville, New Jersey. And we do all of our processing and bottling and shipping from New Jersey. I always like Scobieville. I've never been to Scobieville, um, but it just sounds like one of those made-up towns of the Simpsons. You know, it's, like, it's, it's kind of <laughs> cool. It was, it was actually on Jeopardy, but um, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's named after Captain Joshua Scobie. He was a pirate, and um, they gave him all of this land so he would stop pirating. <laughs> they moved him pretty far inland, right? Get him off the boat. I want to ask oh, a little bit about apples in general. Like, is there a specific varietal that you use? Would that be a thing? Could you could you do a single varietal run? Like, how does that work? I'm, you said I I was also just flabbergasted by the number of apples seven. What do you say seven thousand pounds per barrel? Per barrel, yeah, incredible, so, incredible. We, That's a lot of canceled doctor's appointments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We um we've never done a varietal. You know, we have 14,000 gallon fermentation tanks, so it takes about two days um, to fill. About 186,000 pounds of apples go into each fermentation tank. Wow. Um, 
So we've never really done a varietal. I mean, we've thought about it in the past. Maybe it's something in the future I'll do, but currently we do not. Um, we, for the types of apples, it's your everyday apples that you would find in a grocery store. Um, you know, the historical cider apples disappeared um, for many years. And so we are kind of limited to what we could resource. We won't use all types of apples, could not because we don't feel all apples will make a, a, a decent brandy, but we use the um, Gala, the Braeburn, the Fuji, Pink Lady. Um, we will use some Jonathan's and um, we do Granny Smith. We love the wine sap and the Albemarle Pippin, but they, um, we do get some black twigs. We do get some, uh, some cider apples, but not too much, um, but does make some great brandy. Uh, so we use a variety. Um, the early apples, when they come in, they usually have lower sugar bricks, um, will, um, wait for, uh, the late ripening apples, like say October, November that we'll use for our seven and a half and our 12 year old and so forth. So usually that's barreled in late November, December. Cool. Well, we got to talk about cocktails now too. Yeah, a little bit. Because we're almost at the end of the show. And uh, so what are some of your favorite examples of cocktails that are made with your brandy? I mean, oh. I know that Jack Rose is like probably the most ubiquitous. I mean, uh, yes. it's half the name is, you know, Apple Jack, Jack Rose. Um, I mean, if you're going to yeah. come out with a cider, I'm definitely having a stone fence with Laird's Apple Brandy and yeah, Laird's Apple absolutely. Cider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a no-brainer. You know, there's so many cocktails I love, you know, obviously the Jack Rose, the old fashioned, you know, our old fashioned mm -hmm. RTD is basically I made my cocktail and I, we, we worked with it in my lab and I'm like, this is what we have to mock. We have to match this cocktail. And oh, it's, um, it's very I good. was very, I was very particular, very picky, you know, we're using Angostura bitters, you know, it's an all natural product. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, love the star cocktail made a lot of those during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> the Applejack Manhattan, um, uh, you know, I, I love the, um, sidecar or the apple car with the apple, you know, with the apple brandy, the, um, the diamond back, the widow's oh, kiss. Nervous. Oh, yeah. That makes me kiss. nervous. Yeah, the widow's kiss. That was like, uh, I think just it was rated one of the top 10 cocktails of um, 2022. I was like so excited. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an exceptionally good and really underrated drink. I was oh, kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised to hear that it was so rated because I've never heard anyone order one but me <laughs> yeah it, it's it's such a great cocktail and you know the applejack rabbit there's so many classics and then obviously some of the new ones you know i love the american trilogy that's sure. such a great mm -hmm. cocktail um but i really the haven't applejack found... sazerac <clears throat> uh, yeah. yeah oh yes that's CIA. a good one yeah the c i love the ciac like i could go on and on you yeah. know um but yeah, there's so many, you know, it, and it all depends on my mood. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I love the pink lady too. It depends on, you know, obviously I drink a lot more stirred and strong, more yeah. spirit forward cocktails. Well, that's what we do in the Northeast, you know? Yes. Yes. And it's funny because when I go into cocktail bars, the bartenders, when I ask them, I'll say, you know, what's your favorite cocktail? What, you know, what would you want to make for me? You know, it's like, I love anything with Laird's, you know, and I my favorite part of my job is trying bartenders creations and what they've created with my with my brandy and 
mostly they're usually stirred and strong because they love my bottle and bond and it pairs well with any type of other spirit. You know, it really matches well. Uh, It has, you know, so much versatility and, you know, and one thing that really drives me crazy, and this is one of my real pet peeves is because we're pigeonholed into this fall type cocktail, um, you know, you have bourbon cocktails year round on your drink list. You have rye cocktails on your cocktail list year round. Like why not apple brandy? Why not brandy cocktails? Because it can be consumed year round. Makes a great highball. Oh my God. Absolutely. It's it's kind of of a great uh, linear kind of uh, to a cider, honestly, Mm -hmm. Uh, an apple, apple jack highball. I mean, I say this all the time when it comes to brandy, because even though it's the oldest spirit in, you know, in the world, it's kind of like a lot of times kind of, like you said, pigeonholed or even misunderstood. People think of cognac as like a a seasonal, uh, you know, uh, holiday seasonal specific uh, drink, but when you go to cognac, they drink cognac and tonic, and it's delicious. Oh, summer long, summer yeah, yeah. yeah. Apple so, jack yeah. and tonic is great as well. It, Apple it's jack and delicious. Tonic is awesome. Yeah, you know, there's so yeah. much versatility to the product that people don't realize, and you know, that's it's like I drink it all year round. I drink it summer. It depends on what I drink more highballs in the summer. I'll bring drink more, you know, Pink Ladies or Jack Rose or Apple Blow Fizz. Um, yeah, but um, you know, it depends on the season. But there is versatility. Um, and even the Applejack Old Fashioned, I drink those in the summer as well. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, like with the Applejack Sazerac, I mean, uh, truth be told, it's not Applejack in it. I, I use the bonded in that. Yes, because, it's bottled uh, yep. But Applejack Sazerac rhymes, so we just went there. <laughs> yeah, um, it's great. No, but I, I mean, think it. about like, when do you drink Sazeracs the most? Tales of the cocktail, yeah. probably <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. in yes. July. Yeah. So yeah, yes. just consider it that way. How does the so, surface yeah. of the sun. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to have a Sazerac. Yeah, Yeah. and another one of my pet peeves is you know most of the cocktail menus they always just say apple brandy, and uh, I'm like, well, you're using Laird's. Is there a reason why you don't put Laird's? And a lot of times I'll hear it. You know, if if your menu is you don't name any spirits, that's that's perfect. That's that's mm-hmm. your philosophy. It's great. But when you see them, they have certain brands, but then Apple Brandy, they don't. And they'll be like, well, it's Laird's. Apple Brandy's always Laird's. Yeah. I'm like, but everybody doesn't know that. Maybe you know that, and I know that. But, sure. You know? Oh, I can see that. Yeah. You're yeah. Chartreuse or Campari. It's like, you name those. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it yeah. is funny because uh, when I was just at Portland Cocktail Week back in November, and I was, you know, visited Jeffrey Morgenthaler, and I was like, you know, he had his menu and had a great cocktail on the menu. And I was like, can I just ask you a question? Like, why don't you have Laird's? And he's like, I don't know. I never thought about it. He's, it's now on his menu. He sent me an email, said it's now on the menu, Lisa. Oh, he had a drink with apple brandy. He just didn't say Laird's. Just didn't say Laird's. Yeah. And he's like, I never thought of it because the bartending community, when they think of apple brandy, it's they Laird's. are naturally thinking of Laird's. Yeah. So. so ubiquitous to all of us, I think. <laughs> there, are other, there are other brands that are out there and they're making their mark, but yeah, you they know, are. They're, 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 they're new kids on the block compared to, you know, the oldest. Yeah. The so oldest now, with, now that there's some competitors, obviously, I'd like the brand recognition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I mean, like, you think just different types of apple brandy, like Calvados. I mean, you're going to mm-hmm. call out Calvados because it's a specific type of apple brandy. Yes. You know? Yes. There's, you know, there's there's different types of apple brandy, and it should it should be you know called out. I mean, I think that applejack is is it not an appellation? 
I mean, at the very least, can can't it be printed as Applejack, even if it doesn't say layers? I mean, I think That's, that that, yeah. that alone, because don't you? I think you told me years ago that you have at the distillery a, a bunch of kind of like lawsuit bottles from way back in the day, um, where you know the trademark for Applejack is with layers, but a lot of people back in the day were trying to. And just like people were doing with like Fernet and Chartreuse, the aforementioned Chartreuse back in the day, they were like calling it Chartreuse when it was, wasn't actually, you know, made by the Carthusian monks or, or made yeah. by Pertelli, you know? So the like, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. The yeah. only the only trademark we have is Laird's. Apple, actually, Applejack is considered the category. Um, it's at like Apple okay. Brandy, Gin. So when you look under Apple Brandy, um, it's also known as Applejack. Um but it is an American product. The only thing the US, that does yeah. bother me is there's a few international brands that are calling their, themselves gotcha. Applejack, mm. which Applejack is an American product, which right. uh, it's something in my future that I'd like to try to find some protection. At least it should just be an American product. Well, we're on your side. We'll help out any way we can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I think for now you should uh, just, you know, uh, maybe start some sort of advertising campaign of your own that just says, you know, if it says Apple Brandy, it's over overwhelmingly likely Laird's, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> you know, yeah. just claim it, yeah. you know, exactly. otherwise known as Laird's. <laughs> yeah. if you, if you drink, if I your, like that. That's a great Apple Brandy, otherwise known as Laird's. Yeah. If you're drinking at your favorite bar that says Apple Brandy, it's Laird's. <laughs> I, I know you've probably already done your marketing plan and budgeting for the year, but uh, you know, we're still hireable. Yeah. Um, just yeah. say it. Okay. All right. I'll think about that. Outlaw, outlaw See, I'll, I'll pay you an apple brandy. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been so much fun catching up with you, Lisa, and learning more about layers and some of the new things that are coming out. I'm, I'm certainly excited. Yeah. I haven't tried the old fashioned yet, but I know it's delicious and I'll look for it and find it. Um, and and we'll be looking forward to that cider and all yes. the new things to come. And wow, it's just, you're just always so awesome to talk to. Um, I, I'm happy to have known you for all these years and like seeing like the recent growth, but also being there with you at like trade shows and whiskey fest when you're like the only brandy there, you know, yeah. like just kicking ass. And, and, you know, to me, they're always next to each other. Like I always have the bonded next to my written house. Yeah. You know, they, they mm -hmm. are, they mm -hmm. might as well be a married couple in my bars. So, you know, like that's the go-to and they, they go well together and like just really classic packaging. I mean, I'm glad that, you, you know, that it's still so classic and there hasn't been any like major changes to it. Cause you know, like, if you're gonna have a classic, keep it classic, and then just expand on the line, and that's what you're doing. So I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that bottled and bond label hasn't changed since 1941. And, I, it, and it shows. <laughs> yeah, I never. It took me. I'm colorblind, so I think that's the issue. But when the when I got a hold of a bottle of the um, uh, Jersey Lightning, is when I noticed that the the side the sidebar there is the L for Laird's, and then I looked at the original <laughs> bottle and was like, oh, it's there too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thanks again for being on the show today this has been a wealth of information and it's glad to have everyone uh in uh, from the speakeasy team back in the studio as well first time this year and what a great way for the, getting the gang back together with lisa laird of laird's distillery the just legendary distillery and legendary person and well, I guess that's going to make it uh, our show for this week. Uh, until next week, 
check out Heritage Radio Network for other programs like this one. And we will see you on the other side. All right. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Anytime. So you don't shun the devil with your The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.